the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? We well, are not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I'm your international Dr. Bill's radio MD. You can reach me at 860-WGUL.com, anywhere that has internet. That's 860-WGUL.com. We are on The Answer, which is also an iHeart station, and we also... Welcome your input and your involvement in the show. This is talk radio. As most of you know, but for those of you who are just uh, listening for the first time, I take a topic and I stick with that for the whole show. And we'll ask a few questions and get a few callers uh, giving us an answer. We'll give them a little $25 gift certificate to the restaurant of my wife's choice. And I'll talk about anything and everything from medicine to soup to nuts to racehorses to well, just about anything that has to do with human beings. Today, I want to revisit this abortion debate. Apparently, uh, I picked this up in the Christian Science Monitor, there's been a marked decrease in the percentage of abortions being performed across the nation. And it's a very emotional issue and one which has uh, a lot of moral and ethical questions associated with it. And we'll even talk about how the whole abortion uh, debate started back in the 1950s and how the public and the press manipulated or were manipulated by these folks. Uh, Dr. Nathanson was the probably the biggest man in the pro-abortion, uh, pro-choice movement, and he subsequently changed his mind when the ultrasounds became technically good enough to show the fetus at very early stages, and he changed his beliefs to that the moment of conception was the beginning of the life of, of the child. He, I think he even converted to Catholicism. Sounds like my father. That's going out of the frying pan and into the fire from my point of view. But the abortion rates have dropped, apparently 12% nationwide during the past five years. And the left and the right, the pro uh, life and the pro-choice are both taking credit. They think that their tactics have helped this. The anti-abortion folks say women are gaining a better understanding of humanity and of a fetus and of the moment of conception becoming uh, the existence of another human being. And they think that women are not terminating their pregnancies as they have a better understanding and morals and values come into play. 
Now, the abortion rights activists, they think the decline is linked to, linked to the decrease in the number of unplanned pregnancies thanks to their efforts to uh, disseminate information about sex, about contraception, sex education, and getting to the younger people. What is clear, though, is that the trend does not appear to be linked solely to strict anti-abortion laws. And as I've said before, the government follows. They're the second last to get in line and figure out what's going on. Of course, the last is the Vatican. So in many red states, making abortion harder to get has not had any more or less effect than states that have no abortion uh, rules or regulations. And some of the states with the highest declines uh, have not had any laws passed. Hawaii, New Mexico, Nevada, Rhode Island, Connecticut, no recent laws to restrict access to abortions. Yet abortions are also down in some of the states that have passed anti-abortion laws. Indiana, Missouri, Ohio, Oklahoma, they all saw drops by about 15%. National average is 12. Maybe it has an effect, maybe not. My feeling is that the government reflects the people's feelings. And it may take time, and we may not immediately see the effects of our change in, in opinions or change in politics or change in morals and values, but it will be reflected eventually in the way the government legislates. And I don't, you know, I make no apologies for that. I've, I've just been watching this for too long now. But it is fascinating. Now, I have another take on this. My belief is that perhaps morals and values are changing. Perhaps there are more kids getting more information about birth control. Perhaps there's uh, more in intelligence and more uh, forethought put into the sex act as young adults and, and teenagers utilize the resources at hand. But let's look at the birth rates for women age 15 to 19 compared to 1991 to 2010. I mean, it's dropped almost 50%, in some cases more than 50%. The uh, birth rate for women aged 15 to 19 in 1991 was 61.8, and in 2010 it's 27.3. So I don't know if this is all because of the information and the education but one thing I think we can say for sure is that the birth rates are going down and the pregnancy rates are also going down. So we have to factor that in and say, well, maybe this is just the way the herd's moving for the past couple of decades. Maybe. And maybe that people are valuing life more. Maybe. Maybe that they're receiving more information and more access to birth control and to a better understanding of the consequences of sex when it's unprotected. Certainly the AIDS virus has pushed us towards being more careful. And the arguments will still be the same. You know, the pro-life, the 10 arguments against abortion, the big ones are, are that since life begins at conception, abortion is akin, akin to murder, as it is an act of taking a human life. And you say, well, that's an emotional argument. Well, yes, it is to a certain degree, but it's also an intellectual argument. I mean, let's let the geneticist tell us, is this a living being 
or not. And if you look at the geneticist and what they're doing, sure looks like it's a living being. I mean, it's dividing and growing. And you say, well, it's a parasite. Well, in a sense, yes. I mean, we're all parasites, though. We, we're parasites on the land. We need the crops. We're parasites if we're meat eaters. That we, We're parasitic of the domesticated animals that we eat. So I'm not sure that the argument of parasites makes a whole lot of sense because for me, looking at this as a doctor and a scientist, I think we're all parasitic to some degree or another. The, the pro-life people will also say that abortion is in direct defiance of the commonly accepted idea of the sanctity of human life. Again, this is an emotional argument, but a lot of people feel strongly their religious beliefs are important to them. And they want certain things to be sanctified. Are there some moral laws that pre-exist that are there even when there's nothingness? Did a god or uh, a, a some type of being have all of these laws in its in its brain? And this is just part of the universe? Could be. I don't know. Now, we know that no civilized society permits one human to intentionally harm or take the life of another human being without punishment. And abortion should be no different for the pro-life people. Adoption is a viable alternative to abortion and accomplishes the same results. And with 1.5 million American families wanting to adopt a child, there's no such thing as an unwanted child. And abortion can result in medical complications later in life. The risk of ectopic pregnancies doubles. Ectopic pregnancies are pregnancies that... uh, grow inside the fallopian tube. That's the tube that the uh, fertilized egg uh, or the unfertilized egg will come into either way. And if you perform an abortion, there's a little bit of a risk that you're going to interfere with the opening of that tube into the uterus, which is where the baby implants, the, the fertilized egg implants and starts to grow. And there's that possibility that the abortion will uh, do some damage to one or other of the fallopian tubes and cause some motility problems in that so that the fertilized egg can't get through, but it's, it's going to grow and it'll grow in the tube. And of course that becomes a surgical emergency. So there's also uh, increased chance of miscarriage in the future. And there's also the chance of pelvic infection diseases. And all these are, uh, they're, they're not big numbers, but they are real. And the pro-life people will say, this is a good reason not to have an abortion, have the baby. In the instance of rape and incest, proper medical care can ensure that a woman will not get pregnant with the morning after pill. Of course, with incest, you know, you're not going to have the same situation. Incest is going to be, in general, an older adult and a teenager or younger, and they may not know or may be too afraid to do anything or say anything. Now, personally, I I don't have a problem with uh, an abortion in the instance of rape or incest or of saving a maternal life. Uh, If the mother dies, the child's going to die too. Of course, a lot of people want to extend it beyond that and say, well, what if there are birth defects? Now we can detect those while the baby's still in the uterus. This is a big area of debate. I think that this is going to be solved in the future, as long as our technology continues to grow, by our increasing use of genetics to cure diseases. And there are some diseases that can be addressed in the womb already, 
And certainly as the technology improves and the science improves, we may be able to fix a lot of problems so that babies who would have been born with hydrocephalus or would have been born with Down syndrome can now be treated in utero, in the womb, during the pregnancy with genetics and alter the makeup of their their genes and chromosomes that have led to these abnormal and difficult birth problems like Down syndrome. We're not there yet, though. Now, abortion should not be used as another form of contraception. I'm still talking about the uh, pro-life people. For women who demand complete control of their body, control should include preventing the risk of unwanted pregnancy through the responsible use of contraception or, if that is not possible, through abstinence. So this is where the the pro-life and the the pro-choice people actually have some common grounds. They should be, you would think alert and aware enough to use some responsible form of contraception. But again, adolescents and young adults may be more impulsive, and that might not be a reality. If we believe that the drop in abortions is related to education and contraception and the dissemination of that knowledge, then this may be a valid argument for both sides. Now, this is one that gets me. Many Americans who pay taxes are opposed to abortion. Therefore, it's morally, morally wrong to use tax dollars to fund abortion. Well, from my point of view, I don't want to see my tax dollars being used. I mean, why are we aborting our own babies and then bringing in Mexicans illegally with their children? Or they have children here. I mean, we're just outsourcing our, our baby. We're outsourcing our, our reproduction. This is crazy. But I'm not sure that this is so different from any other large empire in history who had become so affluent that morals and values were changed. The pro-life people will also say those who choose abortions are often minors or young women with insufficient life experience to understand fully what they are doing to make those decisions. And many have lifelong regrets afterwards. I don't know what the statistics are, and obviously this is uh, partly true and partly emotional. So I don't know how you measure that. Abortion frequently causes intense psychological pain and stress. Now, I, I understand that because I've, con- I've counseled uh, women in my earlier uh, career on things like this, and it is a very, uh, a very emotionally stressful decision to be made. And I think also that the, the, the other half of that, which is the father who may want to see that child come to a full term and be born and, and has some uh, love and, and some concern for that baby, I think that completely discounting him is going to make it even more difficult to convince people on either side of which way to go. You know, the pro-life people say it's, you know, it's a joint effort, family and uh, a, a man and a woman. They should have that child together and raise a child. And the, the uh, pro-choice people are going to say, yeah, but the man's not carrying the baby, and he can walk away at any time. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, but you can have a baby and uh, get your man in there helping you, and you can walk away too. Women can walk away from the marriage or the relationship or the parental responsibilities just like a man can. Do they do it as frequently? No. And, you know, that's biologic. Most women are nurturing, and they're going to want to stick by their kids. Guys, we are nurturing to a certain point, and then to another point, we're not. 
that's just the way that estrogen and testosterone shake out. Now, the pro-choice people are going to say nearly all abortions take place in the first trimester, and that's in the first three months. And as we know, there's been a big national debate and legislation passed in states and at the federal level to stop late uh, pregnancy abortions. And when a fetus cannot exist independently of the mother, the pro-choice people say, well, that's not an independent being. It's attached by the placenta and umbilical cord, and its health is dependent on the mother's health and cannot be regarded as a separate entity as it cannot exist outside her womb. Well, of course, we know that's not true anymore. We're already raising uh, animals in Petri dishes, and we're using surrogates. I mean, we have geneticists who have cloned whole herds of cattle, sheep, and it's fascinating to see how much of the personalities and the socialization of these groups of animals who are all genetically identical make for different personalities. It's, it's really fascinating. The pro-choice will say the concept of parenthood is different from the concept of human life, and human life occurs at contraception, but fertilized eggs used for in vitro fertilization are also human lives, and those not implanted are routinely thrown away. Is this murder? And if not, then how is abortion murder? So if you have a fertilized egg outside of the womb that's been put in cold storage for various reasons, problems with fertility, uh, problems with uh, uh, motility, problems with any number of things that can interfere with the ability of the uh, fertilized egg to implant in the uterus or even get to the uterus, then people go in and they have eggs taken off of their ovaries with the, with the fiber optic scope and the father's sperm uh, that's uh, mixed with the eggs. And then you have a fertilized cell that's going to grow into a human being if it can implant and have a chance. And these are frozen for later, later time, later date. And you say, well, why do they need all these eggs? Well, you know, it's amazing how few eggs actually uh, come to fruition, even fertilized eggs. There's a lot of genetic material there, and if you get one little thing scrambled, that cell, after it's been fertilized by the sperm, may not grow. It may die because it doesn't have the right genetic information. So there's a there's a whole lot to discuss when we look at this and look at the uh, in the petri dish fertilization of an egg with a sperm and put into cold storage for future use. So I'm not quite sure how we're going to approach this. Uh, certainly we can apply some, some uh, statistics and some ratios and odds to this and say, well, of the five eggs and sperm that have been taken out of this woman and this man and been fertilized in the Petri dish and now are in frozen cold storage, only one statistically is going to make it and become a human being. So you may have to implant several eggs before you get one that takes the pro-choice also say adoption is not an alternative to abortion because it remains the woman's choice whether or not to give the child up for adoption. And they say that statistics show that very few women who give birth choose to give up their babies. Now, that may be a little bit uh, skewed. I don't know. I don't know where they got their statistics. They say less than 3% of white unmarried women and less than 2% of black unmarried women will give their children up for adoption, 
because they don't want the baby or they're not capable of raising the baby. And we have to look at the number of births too. There were about 4 million births in the last year and the birth rate is about 12 and a half per 1,000 population. So we got to look at the statistics and it may not be that clear to us. If there's a million and a half people out there, families, couples, whatever, who want to adopt and there's three to four million births, then I'm going to assume 95% of those are going to be uh, wanted by the, by the mother and the parents, the father, or the significant other nowadays, I guess. Then the number of available babies for adoption is pretty small. Maybe we should uh, do like was done in old times or like we do with, uh, with animals. Maybe we should pay women to carry a baby to term as long as they agree to give it up for adoption. I don't know. Certainly economics comes into play with young women who are uncertain of whether or not they're going to be able to take care of themselves, much less a baby. Now, the pro-abortion, pro-choice people will say abortion is safe. Medically, it's a safe procedure, and that the vast majority of women, 88%, who have an abortion do so in their first trimester, as I said before. Medical abortions have less than 0.5% risk of serious complications and do not affect a woman's health or future ability to become pregnant or give birth. So we've got a debate here, and the statistics, which are beyond my uh, time limit to go into, have to be looked at more scientifically, more with a jaded eye, more with a prospective as well as retrospective studies set it up in advance. In the case of rape or incest, forcing a woman made pregnant by this violent act would cause further psychological harm to the victim. Personally, I'm, I don't have a problem with uh, uh, abortion for rape, incest, or to save a maternal life. Uh, but uh, there are people who are pro-life that say no abortions whatsoever. Oftentimes a woman is too afraid to speak up or is unaware she is pregnant and Therefore, the morning-after pill is ineffective in these situations. And, of course, there are uh, religious groups like the Catholics who say the morning-after pill is another form of abortion. So there's a whole other debate there. Abortion should not be used as a form of contraception, according to the pro-choice. Pregnancy can occur even with responsible contraceptive use. That's true. Occasionally we see that, but th that's a very small number. And, of course, you can't always get the, the, the real answers from people. You know, if the woman wants to have a baby and the man doesn't, <clears throat> and she says, oh, yeah, I'm taking my birth control, and she's popping her pills in the toilet, and, and you say, well, that doesn't happen. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, that's just a natural drive. Women want to have babies, most of them. That's their fulfillment uh, genetically and Naturally, if we allow our, our natural emotions and drives and instincts to come to play, we're here to make more copies of ourselves so that we ensure the survival of our species. So that's going to happen. So individual carelessness, uh, which, again, the, the pro-choice people say comes into play, and that's where education has helped, according to them. And the ability of a woman to have control of her body is critical to civil rights. So we're back at the civil rights argument. And, of course, the 
pro-life are going to say, wait a minute, that's a, a fertilized egg that's implanted. That's a human being. That has civil rights as well. So we got a good debate going there. If you take away the re reproductive choice, according to the pro-choice people, you slip onto a slippery slope. If the government can force a woman to continue a pregnancy, what about forcing a woman to use contraceptive or undergo sterilization? Uh, I, uh, I'm not quite sure that a passive function is the same as an active function. You know, if you outlaw abortions, you're not actively going in and doing something physically with your uh, knife or with your suction or with uh, uh, medications or genetics. I mean, you're not doing anything. You're just saying, you can't do this. I mean, I can't run a red light. If I do and I get caught, I'm going to get a ticket. So if I get pregnant and the law says that it's your problem and you have to now take care and be responsible for this child in some way or another, again, the state's only saying that society wants us to be responsible. Of course, the other birth control is ready, readily available argument uh, is part of the pro-choice. The societal contributions of a potentially valuable human being are wiped out with the, with the abortion, and that's the pro-life people. Now, the pro-life people say that they don't agree with the pro-choice, that a lot of women suffer psychological damage from the experience. And in some cases, it also damages the, the emotions of the father of the child, especially if he hasn't been consulted. The advances of genetic testing may prompt more abortions, to avoid having the non-ideal child, and we're going to have to look at that, and the pro-life people have a good point there. I can't argue with them. We, we, if we're going to play God, if we're going to become gods in a sense, then we have to have God-like morals and values, and we have to be responsible for our actions and what we do to ourselves and to our society and to our, our tribe, our human being tribe. There's a lot of people on the waiting list for adoption, as I said before. And the pro-life people are going to say the abortion decision is often made by minors or young adults who don't have the maturity and life experience to make good decisions. Well, the pro-choice people are going to say, that's right. They are minors and young people, and they do do things impulsively, and they don't make good decisions. Now, are they capable of raising a child at this point in life? Do they have the emotional and uh, situational, uh, financial, uh, intellectual abilities to actually be a mother or be a father? If not, why are we handing a child over to somebody who's incapable of taking care of them? And that's what the pro-choice are going to say. So, yes, they agree that maturity or immaturity and life experience are a part of the decision that's made by a youngster, and they shouldn't be punished for that if you look at having a child at this stage as being some kind of punishment. So some of the ideas they have are similar, but for different reasons. Again, I don't want to see my tax dollars going to fund something that I don't agree with. And the pro-life people are going to say that it's immoral. And why should they be forced to fund something that is immoral? And, you know, I mean, the whole premise of our society is that we have religious freedom. And so are we stepping on their freedoms then by saying, well, you have to help pay for abortions in teenagers who don't have money or resources. And so we get back into 
What legal rights does the unborn child have? I mean, that, that's something that we have to consider. If we're going to consider the civil rights of the, uh, of the pro-choice woman, then we have to consider the civil rights of the unborn child. Again, there's a debate over what the health risks are between pro-choice and pro-life. And one of the reasons that a lot of doctors now don't take the Hippocratic Oath is because the Hippocratic Oath says you won't perform abortions. This has gone back to antiquity. This has gone back 2,500 years in our, our Western culture. And in my generation, it's been upended. Most medical schools don't make you take the Hippocratic Oath. There's newer, updated ones. There's Hippocratic Oath-like oath uh, uh, formats that exclude paying homage to all the gods and goddesses. And the way I read that is that I have to respect everybody's religion and everybody's beliefs. And I think that the Hippocratic Oath addressed that and said, yeah, you know, whether he's Muslim, Christian, Jew, Hindu, atheist, if he comes to you for help and you accept him as a patient or you accept her as a patient, then you have to respect their beliefs. And it's amazing uh, how relieved people are who are not Christian or not Jewish or not Hindu or not Buddhist, which are the probably the four big religions in our country now, Mormons. And I think that I've had much better rapport when I've just accepted somebody who has on a shawl on their head, and they're obviously Muslims. And it's kind of interesting to talk to them and see where they came from. And where they came from helps me to know them, and they feel more comfortable and are capable of letting me lead them through their medical and situational problems. So that's, that's the deal there. Does government want to get control of a woman's body? Back alley abortions would increase. Oh, baloney. That's a bunch of nonsense. I'm going to go into that after uh, a short uh, recess here. i got to go get a cup of joe, and uh, Chris has got to go hit the head. So this is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'll be right back. Oh, Dad, won't you spare me over till another year? My mother came to my bed. Placed a cold towel upon my head. My head is warm, my feet are cold. Death is a moving upon my soul. Oh, death, how you treating me? You're closed, my eyes, so I can't see. Well, you're hurting my body. You make me cold. You run my life right out of my soul. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. State police say the hunt for the two killers who escaped from a maximum security prison nine days ago in upstate New York will be expanded today to the east of the current wooded search area. Investigators will also start going door to door. The body of an American killed in Syria while fighting alongside the Kurds against ISIS is back in the U.S. The body of 36-year-old Keith Broomfield of Westminster, Massachusetts, arrived in Boston last night. The European Space Agency says its uh, co- comet lander, finally, 
has awakened from hibernation. It happened last night. And demonstrators have hit the streets of Hong Kong today, just days before an important decision on the southern Chinese financial hub's political future. Thousands of pro-democracy activists rallied as lawmakers prepare to vote on Beijing-backed election reforms. This is SRN News. Ah, the office desktop. You're chained to it eight hours a day, generating reports, spreadsheets, memes about Hillary's email habits. Make it all worthwhile. Stream AM860 The Answer live at am860theanswer.com. Twitter, 140 characters to encapsulate the wisdom of the ages and what everyone thinks about someone stumbling on the red carpet again. Or you can follow us for news, politics, and, of course, answers at AM860 The Answer. Hi, folks. Alan Thick here. You know, some things in life are just too serious to take chances on, and owing money to the IRS is definitely one of those. The IRS has the power to garnish your paycheck. They can levy your bank account, even take your home or business seriously. Thankfully, with one simple call, you can start solving your tax debt once and for all. Optima Tax Relief is the leading tax resolution firm in the nation. They have over 250 professionals. They have an A rating with the Better Business Bureau and the trust of thousands of satisfied clients. Optima's attorneys can immediately protect you from aggressive collections because they are experts in the Fresh Start Initiative. That's a special IRS debt forgiveness program that could save you thousands. Don't wait till it's too late. Get serious. Call Optima now for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Here at AM860, The Answer, we know it's difficult to get the word out about stuff that's important to you. Events, meetings, that kind of thing. Well, we can help. Submit your event at am860theanswer.com forward slash local events and reach the audience you're looking for. Free. All events are subject to station approval. Once your announcement is approved, you'll see your message at am860theanswer.com. You may even hear your announcement on the air. Do we care about this community? Yeah. Yeah, we do. AM860, The Answer. Partly sunny throughout today with thunderstorms in the afternoon. High 91, clear to partly cloudy tonight, low 76. Clouds will mix with sunshine tomorrow with afternoon thunderstorms around I-91. Tuesday will be sunny to partly cloudy with afternoon thunderstorms, high 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Jeremy Pearson for AM860, The Answer. Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over till another year? Well, what is this that I can't see with ice cold hands taking hold of me? Well, I am death's uncanny. I'm Dr. Bill, and I'm back with you guys. We're talking about the abortion debate today, and I'm giving a little bit of both sides of the argument. I uh, have no problem as a physician with uh, abortions for incest, rape, or to save the mother's life. After that, uh, it gets to be fuzzy, and uh, fortunately, I'm not in the business of performing abortions. I'm not an obstetrician or a gynecologist. And I'm 66 years old, so I don't plan on impregnating anybody. And so this really is somewhat of a non-issue for me in, until we get into the future of, of our species and of our nation. 
Uh, the ethics and morals come into play as well. And what does an ethical physician do? What does a moral individual do? By the way, I've got a couple of questions. I'll give a couple of gift cards for uh, restaurants of my wife's choice in the area here. First one, if you're a layperson and not a physician, is abortion moral or immoral? What's your opinion? So that's the first question. Is abortion moral or immoral? And we are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And the second question is about doctors. Is it unethical for a doctor to do an abortion? Is it unethical or is it okay? So that's the second question, and I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. First few callers, is abortion moral for lay people, and is abortion ethical for doctors to perform? i got to tell you that uh, this is the second time I've talked about this, and I've gone back to uh, again, to Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was a physician, obstetrician, gynecologist in the 1950s and 60s, and he led the the National Association for the Repeal of the Abortion Laws, and that's what precipitated Roe versus Wade in the early 70s, and the laws were changed by the Supreme Court, and he has, or he had subsequently after the uh, the development and improvement of the technology of ultrasound. Ultrasound is uh, a piece of equipment we doctors use to image the insides of the bodies or blood vessels or hearts. We can also see inside the womb and take a look at the growing baby, the fetus, the embryo, whatever you want. And so when he saw that, he changed his mind. He said, wait a minute, this is a human being. Even at the most early stages, it's a living human being. And he has written a book. He has subsequently converted to Catholicism. I don't understand that. He has written a book subsequently about this, explaining how this came about and the, uh, the use of any means to get to the end, and that's immoral in my, my way of thinking, to, to lie, cheat, steal, to get abortions legalized. And I'll talk about that in just a minute because I've got Mark from Bradenton, and he has an answer. Mark, come on, buddy. What you got for us? You there, Mark? Can you hear me? Hello? I, I can hear you now. Okay. I, I believe abortion is immoral, and there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of it. You do a little homework on this Planned Parenthood and the people that are backing it. Uh, the, the taxpayers are paying for these abortions, and it's a shame that people are making a living. It's not just the doctors. It's the entire system that's designed. Uh, it's huge, and there's a lot of money involved. It's easy to do the homework on it. Um, it's, it's sad and immoral. Well, uh, I think that you, you make a really good point, and I can't argue with that. And as I said earlier, I don't want to see my tax dollars spent on, on performing abortions. Uh, I'd rather see it spent on helping these young women come to, uh, uh, come to full term and bear the baby. And if they don't want to have a baby, if they're too young, and we support them through their pregnancy, uh, and it doesn't seem so unreasonable to me, then that baby can be given up for adoption. Of course, we want to help teenagers not get pregnant as best we can. But, I, you know, I, I think you have a really good, uh, really good point, Mark. The, the amount of money spent 
and spent out of your pocket and my pocket uh, is not right. It's not right. You know, that we revolted against uh, dad and, and mom over in England and parliament because we didn't want taxation without representation. So we're being taxed, those of us who are paying taxes, and, you know, the majority of us are against this, and yet our money's being spent this way. So, Right. I, our- I have one other point to make that's very important, is that when my children were old enough to start asking questions about politics, I explained to them that the Liberal Party does not believe in the death penalty. So if somebody breaks into your house and kills your parents, they will fight tooth and nail to keep those people alive. Meanwhile, they support this abortion like no tomorrow. They'll stand up, filibuster for 24 hours to keep their abortion machine well, Mark, going. Let me answer that, and then i got to move on to another caller. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the argument I hear from people who are pro-abortion, the doctors, is they say, well, you believe in the death penalty? What's the difference? You kill somebody? Well, here's the difference. The difference is that you've had a chance to take the test of life, and you flunked. And, you know, that doesn't mean I'm for or against uh, 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 capital punishment, but it just says you flunked the test. But the baby, uh, the embryo, the fetus in the womb, it hadn't had a chance to take the test yet. And I'll leave it at that, and, and let me let me get on here. Mark, thanks for calling. Make sure you give Chris your, your info. We got John from Tampa, and he has an answer for us, too. Come on, John. What you got, buddy? Uh, well, they, they don't take into effect the devastating psychological toll because my uh, now ex-wife and I, in 1998, she was a junior in college, and uh, one of the first times we slept together, we got pregnant, and uh, she came from an abusive home, and it was it was a wealthy abusive home, uh, parents, evangelical Christians, uh uh, I'm from a Methodist home, and in Boston, Planned Parenthood, they, they welcome you with open arms, no waiting period. And uh, about three months after that, I happened upon her journal and read it. And, uh, you know, because, you know, growing up in an abusive home, she'd never, you know, con- confronted issues before. So naturally, she never mentioned it and mentioned that if I had mentioned it that uh, or talked about it, that we probably would have kept the baby. And. You know, long story short, over the years, I mean, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And, you know, they, you know, the, the cosmic sense of humor, God's sense of humor being what it was and human gestation being what it was, that child's birthday would have been about the same as mine. So that became a period of depression, which led to alcoholism. And yeah, anyway, it was a it was a big, huge mess. But, you know, they, they never considered that. You know, both the, both the impact it takes on the man and the woman. And, I mean, crazy stuff like, uh, you know, the abortion topic comes up on a TV show, then there's an uncomfortable silence in the room, and they're never speaking about it. And I'm adopted, too. So if that had been an option in 1968, you know, we may well not be having this conversation. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a really uh, that's a really uh, uh, insightful and moving uh, story. I, you know, I think that uh, this does affect uh, a lot of guys. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, I had a, a you know a, a fling with a woman, and she got pregnant and had an abortion without asking me, and then wanted me to pay for half of it. Well, I mean, it was a great uh, it was a great moral and. Uh, 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 Bat, you know the way we were raised, our uh, both our morals and values, and also our expectations and in life and how we viewed it were were very different. And I said, no, I'm not paying for it. You didn't ask me in advance. 
course, she got mad, and that was the end of the relationship. But uh, yeah, I think that there's a, there's a lot to it. And my older daughter, uh, when she was when my then wife got pregnant, my wife asked me. She was still a late teenager. She said, "Do you want me to have an abortion?" I said, "Heck no! I mean, I like kids." But that waiting period or a sonogram, I mean, I I have to believe that. I don't know. You know, I've been beating myself up since 1998 over this. Well, you know, the, do like I did. I mean, I've struggled with depression for a lot of my life. I finally got on Zoloft, and uh, because <laughs> of the chronic pain that I have with my neck, I also yeah. added Elevil to it. And, you know, my life's been quite different. And, you know, if you're struggling with different things and have tried different things like alcohol. Well, I, I, I performed, too. I mean, the alcohol left my life in 2009. And well, uh, I, I, I a Christian therapist, I, actually out of the Idlewild Counseling Center. I was always afraid of that church. But anyway, the counseling center used to be great. Uh, yeah. yeah, she uh, assigned me to perform at open mic nights around town. And now I'm hosting my own on Wednesday nights in Ybor City. So, I mean, that, that that's a good outlet because I've, I've yeah. always liked to write. But you, know, you yeah. touch on these subjects. And, you know, the other thing is, is I, I didn't want somebody to take my story and turn it into some kind of political thing. But... Yeah, you know, it's you know people have no idea, no idea, and it never leaves your life. It never yeah. ever leaves. So. Well, again, you know, I would recommend not only counseling, but I think antidepressants can be very helpful. And I got to move on. I got yeah, another yeah, caller. Yeah. And, well, you know, okay. I really appreciate it. What you said this has has really been uh, uh, spot on and very moving. And we got who we got now, Joe from St. Pete. Joe, come on, buddy, what you got? Oh, yeah, Dr. Bill, I've been, uh, list, um, been off the, uh, couldn't hear the continued conversation when you started taking calls because I was calling, but <laughs> I was going to respond to the two different questions. Um, the first one that you asked was, did, did I think it was immorally wrong to have an abortion? And um, I, I think it is, I, I, I believe, as, first of all, as a Christian, that, it, that it's, in, it's immoral because that's a human life. You know, once the egg is fertilized, and if it has time and nutrients in the womb, uh, it's going to be a full-blown human being. It's not going to be a puppy. It's not going to be a kitty cat. It's going to be a human being. If only. If only. <laughs> right. <laughs> if only my two had been puppy dogs. <laughs> right, exactly. A lot of work, bud. A lot of work. The, the other issue that I've always been confused by is people, especially people who seem to be pro-choice, they're, they're usually people who come up and say, well, we, you know, we're, we're intellectual and we believe in science. Well, science would support that it's going to be a human being. And, but if you, if you totally leave religion out of it, you know, which I'm okay with it, it's a, it's a legal issue too. A, an unborn fetus is going to be a human being, and doesn't that unborn fetus, that unborn child have a legal right to be born and why does the mother's legal rights trump the child's legal rights well i agree with you and you know dr nathanson who used that argument among others and they made up false statistics about uh, the number of women who died annually from abortions in the late 50s and early 60s and he even said we just made these up and they made up uh, phony polls that most americans were were pro uh, uh, pro choice, right. you know. Even that, I mean, these, which is one of the problems I have with uh, extremists and with the far 
left in particular is that the end justifies the means. And, and Nathanson even turned himself around and said, I was a liar. Uh, I was not honest with myself, with the public. Uh, he spoke for a number of years. I don't know if he's still doing it. He wrote a book in the late 1990s, converted to Catholicism. Uh, I mean, he took some pretty drastic steps, and obviously he had some remorse and some guilt and some shame. And, and are, are, is there innate, innate morality within us, uh, you know, on the bell-shaped curve, because not everybody's going to be the same. And unfortunately, there are some people who are abused or neglected who don't uh, have the opportunity to develop the morals and values. And, and I, you know, I think if we look back at this and we look back at what Bernard Nathanson who was an MD and an OBGYN, did, said, and evolved into, then we certainly have to think, well, there must be some uh, morality that we can apply here, that there must be something that exists in the universe that says that lying and cheating and stealing are not right. right. And, I, and I can't argue with you on that. As far as the scientific and the uh, the, the data and the genetics, uh, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to ignore the geneticists. I mean, they are changing our lives daily, right. and they're going to change the whole abortion debate, too. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And the caller previously to me, I, I came in because I couldn't hear because I was waiting to be the phone to, to be answered. And I, I, I suspect that it seemed that his, his point was that he had guilt because of an abortion that either his wife or girlfriend or something. I didn't get all yeah. of that. But that, that's another, why do we have guilt then if? If um, if it really is not an, uh, an issue of morality, you know. Uh, and well, you know that that's that's a good question, and uh, yeah, I think we saw the same thing with the Romans in the first century. Uh, you, you know, after the Civil War, uh, uh, Octavius, who was uh, Julius Caesar's nephew, uh, was put in power by the Senate, and that was Augustus Caesar, and he he came in on the morals and values, the family values. That was his big rap. I'm going to restore the empire to our basic morals and values of family, you know, hard work, everything repeats itself. And, and yet, because of the affluence, I mean, there were more and more people getting abortions then, and there were more and more people not getting married, and there were more and more people becoming homosexual or whatever, and, and feeling it was morally right, and whether it is or not, I don't know, but we're not unique. And I think that some of this is just the affluence of our society. Yeah. And also, some of it's the change in, in our economics. We don't need 10 kids to help manage the farm anymore. Wow. Uh, but, you know, we do need, as <laughs> we need somebody behind us, I'm 66, to pay some Social Security taxes <laughs> so right. I can have a check, baby. I need a check. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just from the from a very practical and personal standpoint, no more abortions. Get to work. And, uh, you know, I don't see outsourcing to the to the Mexicans. I mean, God love them. They're good people, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, and uh, the ones that are here, we're going to have to do something to uh, legitimatize it so we can tax them. I mean, you know, if they're going to work in the system, let's make them pay Social Security and, and Medicare. Let's make them pay some withholding. But that's a whole nother debate. But I, th I think that there are a number of levels at which you can look at this, and uh, the sides are going to look at it differently. However, we need to keep talking because there is common ground, and we need to help convince people that uh, there is a, uh, an innate, uh, there is an, an immediate existence. That, I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, you get an egg and a sperm together, and they start multiplying. I mean, 
this is life. Right. Cell division is pretty. It's pretty easy to prove. You know. Yeah, you know, and I, there's there's no data to back up the thousands of, of deaths from uh, quote quote back alley abortions. It was a few hundred a year. There was no evidence to back up the claim that that was made that uh, that the majority of the American public was pro uh, choice. I mean, there, none of this existed. I mean, none of this existed. But it was one made of the most up. Disturbing things to me, and, I, and you touched on this, is that I, I am a, I'm pretty conservative. I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm open to listen to people's opinions. I, I think it's silly to close your mind, but the left now is using. They just want to. Um, have a one-way debate and close down using little catchphrases and so forth to shut off debate. And I've never understood that, stood that. I thought that it would be better to, as you say, to continue the dialogue and let's talk about it and come up with what's the best solution rather than trying to shove something down people's throats. But it seems like on the left side, that's kind of the standard, you know, like homosexual same-sex marriage is like if you even have any sort of different opinion, it's like uh, you're a homophobe. They have just a whole list of stuff that they Oh, yeah. Care. I mean, I, I go through this in the lunchroom, and one of the brightest guys in the lunchroom, in fact, he's the brightest man I've ever known, uh, we were walking down the hall one day and talking about the left and the right, and he said, why is the left the way they are? I said, the underlying emotion for all of us is fear. When we are born, we don't come out and say, hey, nice to be here. Let's sit down and have a cup of tea. <clears throat> we're screaming. We're wet. We're cold. We're hungry. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't have the ability to take care of ourselves. And that's the most primal and fundamental emotion. And what good parenting does, what good societal uh, values and morals do, is it gives us a sense of uh, how to handle our fear and our anger. And you know, a, a good mother will help us learn how to resolve that, and a good father will show us what he does in his workplace and in his daily life to deal with that. It's it's very important, especially for the guys, because we got the testosterone. But I think that uh, when people say, what's the problem here? Because I was that way when I was a, a teenager. I was a, one of the hippies yelling and screaming. Uh, you know, it's it's fear. It's yeah. anger that's un- undirected. And, you know, I mean, this is you can direct it at anything. If you were living in in Germany in 1936 and you were a teenager, you directed it at the rest of Europe and the Jews. Right. I mean, these things can be steered. And uh, that's what we have to be careful of is is making sure that when the media does pick up a cause that they are held accountable and that we look at their facts and we look at the data and not do what they did in the late 60s and early 70s, which was to carry this uh, liberal banner for Dr. Nathanson, who subsequently said, I lied, I cheated, I stole. You know, this was wrong. Yes, it is. If you hit me, that's for no reason. That's a moral wrong because the law of physics says there's going to be a reaction. Now, you may not see that reaction, but if I'm a kid and you're beating me when I'm growing up, I may become a serial killer. I may beat my own kids. So, you know, the, the the laws of physics are not far from morals and values. You just have to look at it in the broad spectrum of nature. Well, it's getting close to the end of the show. Gosh, guys, that was a great show. I appreciate everybody uh, calling in. And, uh, Chris, um, I, I hope that you're doing good, man. You stay on that treadmill and do your weightlifting and get those kids moving. And uh, everybody out there, I think we should be – upbeat and happy for who we are and what we have. And I think that for those of us who continue to struggle, even after going to AA meetings and counseling and and religious meetings and all that, we do have the biochemistry 
available to help ourselves with the new generation antidepressants. So that's always on the table. Let's keep the debate going. Let's keep talking. Don't get upset. Just be consistent and factual. I'm Dr. Bill. I am your Radio MD, and I thank you all for being here. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. I love every each individual one of you, even the ones who aren't born yet. Bye-bye. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.